Well, hello, White Sox fans. How you guys doing tonight? My name is Ian Eskridge. I'm here with my co-host, Danny Miller, and welcome to another episode of White Sox Daily Live. How you doing tonight, Danny? Uh, you know, hanging in there, man. Uh, had a rough couple of weeks uh, these last few weeks, but uh, ready to talk about some White Sox baseball here tonight. How about it? Um, yeah, so uh, it looks like my data connection is kind of rough and uh you're saying you're having issues too so i don't know if it's a comcast thing or what but uh we're here and we're doing this thing so um ah good evening grim so uh first things first i suppose uh the white socks uh are part of mlb and the mlbpa and mlb uh owners are not uh in agreement yet on a CBA surprise, surprise. Xanadu twenty one twelve rush. Thank you, sir. Thank you for the follow. Hey. Welcome. Um, yeah. So uh, I don't know uh, what you've been paying attention to as of the uh, the last couple of days, but the owners decided to not uh, return volley with the players' association and instead asked for a federal mediator, uh, which the players just immediately turned around and uh, rejected. So um, we're pretty much uh, back at the standstill. The players um, are having to dig in their heels. And uh, apparently, uh, according to uh, Evan Drellick uh, of The Athletic, says that the owners are doing that thing where they're trying to force the player's hand and see how uncomfortable they can make them. Uh, how are you feeling about the CBA negotiations thus far? Uh, um, he, uh, I think I made it abundantly clear. Now, we haven't done this in a couple of weeks because, you know, certain issues between uh, scheduling and, and other things that some of us have had nice. going on. And, uh, you know, it's... Uh, it's been, uh, I, I don't know. It, they're, they're the only changes that I'm really seeing are very minuscule since then. And I, I, like I said, I made it very clear that I wasn't exactly happy about how things are going. Uh, I know there's a lot of people out there that want to say that, uh, you know, it's the fight between millionaires and billionaires. The owners seem to be uh, doing that thing where they are digging their heels in and not doing anything in good faith, uh, as has been one of those things that they've been accused of in the past, where they're not actually bargaining in good faith. Uh, you know, stop me if you've heard that before. Um, <laughs> and uh, you know, the players are making offers in the hundred million dollar range and the owners are coming back with ten million dollars and uh just this huge huge chasm and they're not making any effort whatsoever to even return volley to you know the players association and as says here it's uh you know a publicity stunt you know mark donuts says uh donuts 33 says it's just a publicity stunt which you know i i also saw that that um people accused uh, the owners of using this as like some sort of a way to make themselves look better by not even trying to make a counter offer 
and asking for a federal mediator, I personally, when I look at that, to me, that says we're not even going to try and fix this issue. We're just going to uh, cry about it and ask for a, uh, a mediator to help us. Yeah, and hope somebody else jumps in. Uh, I don't know how that kind of a publicity stunt would make them better or look better in any kind of way. Uh, honestly, I think it makes them look worse, in my personal opinion. The fact that you uh, are just going to kind of bow and roll over and say, you know what, we kind of like things the way they are and pretty much uh, you know, flip the bird to the other side. To me, uh, it, you know, they call it a negotiation for a reason, and one side is not willing to really concede at all. Uh, is quite frustrating. Um, I uh, I talked about it the last time we were on. I know it's been a couple weeks, but going back to 1994, there really hasn't been any major concessions by the owners to the players. The players, uh, you know, and partially it's the players' fault. They have rolled over time after time when the new CBA comes up. They've had opportunities of their own to, uh, you know, kind of, make some jumps and uh, and hopefully do some things to help themselves. And they really didn't, uh, you know, Tony was uh, criticized quite harshly last time around Tony Clark. And, uh, you know, it, it's just, it's beyond frustrating, especially as a fan. Uh, you know, I saw somebody earlier this week on social media, one of the few chances I actually had to kind of stop and take a look at this thing. But uh, I saw somebody say that, uh, you know, what if the fans had a union? Yeah, and, uh, you know, because we're really the the biggest losers here are the fans. Let's be honest. You know, I, that is the one thing I will agree on when we're talking about millionaires and billionaires arguing over money. Uh it's the fans that you know the everyday Joe that goes out and works hard and you know blood, sweat, and tears to uh, make a few bucks to go to see a game and have a beer and a hot dog. So uh, you know, if the fans had a union, maybe this would be different. But good luck with that. You know, we can't see eye to eye. It with a couple thousand of us in a in a social media group, you know how we all yeah. come together and see eye to eye on this. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah the uh, the the fan union. I did hear the same as well. I think I heard it on the score on uh, over the weekend. Something about who they who you would want to represent you in a in a fans union and uh, lots of bad answers. Um, <laughs> Snoop Dogg, among others, uh, which I oh. was thoroughly uh, confused by. Didn't understand that one one bit. Um, and I think that if actually, if I remember correctly, I think that was Bruce Levine's answers. And that right there should explain um, <laughs> everybody's uh, thoughts on uh, Bruce uh, and. Um, the nonsense that he comes up with. Um, so yeah, so it's, it's not looking, uh, super promising for starting at, uh, spring training and, um, you know, not really too much of a, a huge surprise there. No, um, it's, there's uh there's a lot of speculation I've seen from a, a lot of folks that you know we're they said that you know basically February first if if something if there wasn't some real progress made by February first we were pretty much looking at a delay to spring and we're not just talking about pitchers and catchers reporting we're talking about a delay to spring games 
So we've already kind of we're already looking at the first delay. Here we are uh, into the second week of February, and well, you know, it is what it is. So now the next uh, the next thing is is if something's not done by March first, you're looking at a delay to the regular season. At least by what fo- what some folks are saying, I don't know if I necessarily believe that. I think maybe we would probably have an abbreviated spring, and they would try to get the 162 in somehow. As of right way. now, anyway. All right, but uh, you know, again with the abbreviated spring, here we go. 2020, we uh, we had an abbreviated spring followed by a complete halt, and then another abbreviated summer camp and a COVID shortened 60 game season where we saw some injuries during that time and an enormous amount of injuries in 2021. And, you know, fast forward to 2022 and we're looking at some of the, much of the same. Uh, I can't imagine, you know, how badly this is going to affect players and their conditioning to go through, you know, these kinds of things, you know, for three years straight. It's uh, it's quite ridiculous to be honest with you. And uh, again, fans, we're not allowed in stadiums in 2020 2022 started off with limited capacities uh it, it's just it's a nightmare it's an absolute nightmare and you would think these two sides would try especially the the billionaire owners that we keep talking about these guys talk about losing money because of a shortened season in 2020 yet they seem very much willing to do it all over again and uh to me that's a very telling telling thing that uh, these guys aren't really losing all the money that they want you to believe they are because they're willing to sacrifice more time off. Yeah, I can't, I can't disagree. Um, mentioned in there about uh, creating a player's own league. And um, I know that I can't remember what year it was. It was in the early 1900s. The, there was another issue. Uh, it was shocker. Uh, a, disagreement between players and owners and they actually did uh leave and make another league but uh it it lasted i think it lasted like two seasons or something like that and got bought back by uh major you know the uh national league or whatever because i think it was before the national and american league or maybe that's how the american league ended up creating a yeah i don't yeah, I can't remember exactly how it goes. I just remember that there was uh, one of those huge disagreements where they could not come to a resolution and uh, the players ended up making their own league and it ended up uh, folding at some point and kind of getting uh, brought back into Major League Baseball as we know it now. Um, yeah, the whole thing's just been a, a real train wreck. Um, so... You know, the issue I have with that idea as well, too, I'm sorry. No, you're good. But I just want to, I want to jump in on that. Let's just say that there was a uh, a players-owned league for just a moment. Let's just say that kind of thing is, is even feasible. Um, who are these players that are going to do that? Do we think the $300 million men are going to jump off of their contracts or they're, they're making massive amounts of money to uh, start their own league? to help out the guys below them? Or is it going to be a much larger number of guys with smaller amounts of money that are going to do that? And who are you going to pay to go see? Are you going to pay to see the big guys, the most talented players, or are you going to pay to see the younger guys who are doing this thing on their own? And where are the, you know, I don't know. It's just, uh, 
It doesn't make any sense. I think you're going to be looking at uh, a, a, a league full of $300 million players. And when these other guys jump ship, it's going to be even more of a, 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 a chasm between dollar amounts because those $300 million players are going to be at the very top. And now you got to fill this other void to, to field teams with who, when you're, when your middlemen and your, and your lower end uh, paid players leave. Now you're going to be filling teams with minor leaguers. So you're going to have a, you're going to have a Bryce Harper with a bunch of double and triple a guys on the field. That doesn't benefit anyone either. Yeah. Uh, Grim Tall mentioned uh, that spring training was already canceled. It just hasn't been announced yet. Um, I have seen uh, a couple of things along the same lines, and uh, I know that the circles that he travels in, he sees some things that uh, are not uh, privy to uh, normal people. And um, there have been at least uh, a, f- you know, a first, the first couple of weeks uh, has already been at least postponed. And um, I've I've also heard things about uh, minor leaguers fulfilling contracts. And, you know, I heard uh, Josh on Sox Machine talking about uh, you know minor leaguers taking over just to fulfill contracts with the teams, uh, you know, the MLB's contracts with the with the cities that they play spring training in. And I wouldn't be surprised by that either because somebody's got to make up that money somehow. And I certainly don't think that the owners want to just foot the bill. And uh, right. let these cities eat this, you know, this huge loss that would happen if there is no spring training at all. Um, <laughs> yeah, eesh. you know, you've got these, you've got these, uh, you've got how many stadiums in Arizona, in the Phoenix area, you know, spread out throughout there, and then you've got a bunch of them down in Florida, and uh. Those those seats need to be filled, and a lot of those little stadiums, those those towns, thrive on, you know, this is a big event for them. You know, some of them, uh, you know, seventy percent of their tourism revenue revenue might come from uh, two months in the spring every year. You know, I've gone I've gone down to spring training. I've tried to go more often than I could, and uh, you know, if you don't book a hotel room, you know three, four, five months in advance, you're not getting one. Flights, same way, you know. Uh, so they depend on that money. And uh, it's unfortunate that uh, this kind of thing is going to uh, put a, a cramp in that. Yeah. Um, I can't disagree. I mean, it's, it's just pretty much uh, going to be one of those things where it's, uh, you know, just a nightmare pretty much for everybody uh, involved in um, anything having to do with baseball. And, um, we'll see if they start losing games, we, you know, as we've talked about a hundred times, um, if they do miss games, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be detrimental to the sport. And, um, yeah, I mean, we, you know, it, 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 we talk about, uh, you know, 1994 and the amount of fans that, uh, were lost over those years. Uh, in a lot of people seem to think they still haven't recovered. You know, it was something like twenty percent of viewership and uh, attendance went down for a good amount of time, and has never really fully recovered since then. Uh, I would imagine that you know, and and that wasn't even in nineteen ninety five. 
You know, they they were they were able to resolve and not miss any games. You know, we we saw the stoppage in '94, but '95 we saw the replacement players in spring a little bit. But by the time the '95 season came along, we got 162 games of MLB players. Uh, if this cuts into the regular season this year, it's going to be one of those things where baseball may never recover completely. And then you know, you look back at what they say saved the game and the whole steroids discussion. Uh you know, again, another black guy that yeah, it might have it might have helped to watch Slam and Sammy and Mark McGuire and Barry Bonds, you know, juice themselves ridiculously to, you know, hit seventy home runs a year. But uh I you know, I can't honestly see that happening again because of the controversy that is started like that as well. Yeah. Um let's see here. Uh Team averages ten million in revenue for spring training games. That's uh, yeah. So who's gonna you know? I mean, obviously, who's who's gonna pay for that if that money's lost? So they're gonna have to figure out some way to do that, unless each owner decides that they want to, you know, pump out one hundred and fifty million dollars to uh, <laughs> figure out some way to reimburse the city, or that deal is going to be null and void and going to be in, be in breach of contract and then end up having to uh, do all sorts of nonsense to try and make it back from that. And it's just, the whole thing's just such a fiasco. I I mean, I, and the thing is, is I don't blame the players at all for wanting to redo, uh, to, to renegotiate this whole CBA thing. And, They've screwed themselves so bad on the last couple of deals that now right, they're I, they, in a huge hole. They, like I said, they rolled over more than once, and uh, you know I, we've talked about this a bunch of times. Anybody who had eyeballs and ears and could read had any sort of reading comprehension knew that in 2015, 2016, with this the the CBA that just expired. Everybody and their brother knew there was going to be some, this was going to be a banger of a fight. Uh, you would have thought that maybe somewhere in between those times, some discussions would have been had to uh, kind of say, you know, hey, let's let's do some things in good faith to try to rectify some of this. But, you know, it was actually on the contrary. We have the players filing $500 million grievances against the league in 2020 because one week we were told they're going to get a third salary for a third of the season played. And a week later, my Rob Manfred comes out on national television and makes a statement that says, well, you know what? Uh, the owners got together and decided they were losing more money than that was. And uh, we have to, uh, you, you guys are going to have to take less than even a third for a third of the season played. And MLB, the MLBPA went, no way, no way. We've given you too much already. So here's a $500 million grievance that is still pending today. Still pending today. Nobody has really even made any headway on it or looked at it at all. There's, there's zero signs of good faith. Zero. So, and there, I believe there was another grievance filed last year, if I'm not mistaken, over the uh, comments of a certain Atlanta GM who had been fired for uh, suspicion of collusion because he made a statement that he talked to 27 other teams and those 27 other teams, those 27 other GMs and, and owners were uh, in agreement that they were basically going to freeze out players during 
what was these hot the slowest hot stove ever uh yeah I, i'm gonna say that there you know there there's a lot of shady dealings going on uh probably on both sides here but you know really who has the most control and it's it's the guys in the in the ownership department so you know i can't say that i feel bad for either of them you know they do make millions the younger players probably deserve more but the players make millions. The owners make billions. But again, the fans are the ones that are suffering the most. We're the ones sitting here bitching and complaining without any baseball happening. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Donuts 33 says apparently Tampa Bay has already prepared litigation contingencies for their spring training losses. I'm sure they will be followed by others. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, you got to figure uh what like uh, Scottsdale and Tempe and all those places are just going to follow suit and uh, do the same thing, you know? Uh, it's got to be, yeah. I would assume it's got to be where the uh, where the Yankees have their spring training because that's huge for Tampa Bay. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Enough about the CBA stuff. We've talked about that ad nauseum for uh, two. Well, months I have a now. question, real quick. Since yeah. we brought up the uh, the litigation thing now. That's something that the city is going to do because of lost revenues, correct? So that's, to me, it seems like it would put more pressure on the owners to get a deal done instead of asking for a mediator. Yeah. I mean, I would imagine so. I mean, think about, I mean, like, like said, you know, imagine the amount of money that the city is going to lose. Uh, I mean, just think about the fans that already have all their spring training plans booked for months now with hotel rooms and flights and tickets that they've already purchased because MLB started selling the tickets already. Yeah. Uh, there's the, which leads me into another question. You know, we've seen, uh, and I don't want to get political on the show here. I, you know, I'm going to just throw it out there right now. No offense to anybody, but I don't really care what your political beliefs are. And I'm just going to leave it at that. Sorry, not sorry. But, uh, you know, we do know that inflation is ridiculously out of control over the last year here. And uh, what do you think that does for the travel industry? Uh, you know, because now all these hotels and airlines are going to probably they're 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 looking at losing millions and millions of dollars over that kind of thing too. And who does that? Who do those losses get passed on to? So, just Exa- another yeah, way exactly to look at my point. You know, is if people start asking for refunds for this stuff, or you know, all the people that have already bought all this stuff. Now they, you know, assuming that they got travel insurance, which would be the smart thing to do uh, with, especially something like this with the, you know, the lockout looming before, uh, you know, you know, like when they purchased the stuff, they knew it was a possibility that it was coming, that they would, you know, put insurance on it. So that way they're like, oh, okay, so that is happening. So now I can get my money back. So, yeah, it's ugly, ugly, ugly situation. Um, So moving on. Uh, yes, a unfortunate situation uh, for the White Sox and uh, fans that uh, have been watching, but uh, Alec Hansen called it a career a couple days ago, uh, wearing my uh, my nice dash hat here for him, and I got my, my T-shirt with the, uh, the old Alec Hansen on there. Uh, Alec Hansen decides to call it a career and uh, 
we won't have him to kick around anymore. Um, things started to look like he was starting to figure some stuff out this past season, but uh, apparently not worth it to him to uh, continue to try and stick it out. So uh, we have lost uh, the best pitch face, the resting pitch face in baseball. So uh, that is unfortunate. I will miss seeing that face uh, on the fastball. Good stuff. Um, yeah, agreed. Um, you know, it, the, the biggest uh, shame on this whole thing was that, it, you know, before the injuries, he looked like he was going to be a monster. He, uh, you know, the guy looked good. He, he had one really good season and, uh, you know, unfortunately got injured and was never really quite the same. Mechanics got a little weird. and Well, the mechanics got weird before that. Well, um, he uh, in he led the he led MILB in strikeouts and um then the season like the off season after that he decided that to uh, lose a bunch you know i think he ended up losing something like 40 pounds or something like that in a effort to get more athletic and in that process lost his mechanics and uh, after that that's when the uh the inflamed forearm thing happened that's happened to so many guys um you know he he didn't uh, he didn't end up getting tommy johnny ended up rehabbing it but uh yeah things right. just never never came back and uh his mechanics uh, you, you know even last year when you looked at his pitching mechanics it looked uh forced and not uh free um so I mean, I'm not sure if uh, if something physical happened again this year, and he you know, he just decided, you know what, it's it's not worth it to keep on doing this, or if I keep on doing it, I'm going to need to get TJ or what, you know, whatever ended up happening. Um, unfortunate, and um, you know, it's always a kick to the crotch when you lose a, uh, you know, even if it was years, you know, three years ago that uh, you lose a top 100 prospect. Uh, in baseball. So that's a, that's a bummer. Um, yeah, well, you know, especially since, uh, they're saying we don't have any top 100 prospects these days, <laughs> you know? And, yeah. And I, but we'll get into that a little bit tonight as well. Yeah. Um, I don't remember. I don't think, uh, last time we were on, uh, did we actually talk about Eric Hernandez and Oscar Colas signing or were we still waiting to see if it actually was a hundred percent certain? Yeah. As a matter of fact, uh, you know, in white Sox daily live fashion, uh, I believe the team finally, we saw pictures of signings come across the old tweet box from other sources, uh, but nothing from the team. Uh, until the day exactly one day after uh, our last stream. Go so, figure. Yeah, you know how that works. <laughs> yeah, and if we move to Tuesday, it'll happen on Wednesdays. I mean, there's just I, I think that uh, we're pretty much just uh, we just happen to be really lucky because I don't uh, having uh, press releases on Tuesdays. But uh, oh, I did. We did, but it was before. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, so uh, apparently we did mention it early on, um, but uh, yeah. Um, also, uh, one of those. So out of the blue, uh, Luis Dennis Morales, uh, Cuban pitcher, uh, right-handed pitcher that uh, 
throws about 97, 98 miles an hour, decided to uh, put himself out there. Um, obviously, he's one of those defectors that uh, left Team Cuba uh, a couple couple months back. And uh, he has made himself available, and he's been doing all sorts of workouts. Uh, there's some footage on Twitter, and uh, the guy got nice, free, easy mechanics, uh, repeatable mechanics as well, and uh, looks like he's got a fairly decent uh, slider and uh, fastball. I don't know if he's uh, got a third pitch. Like I don't know that much about him other than that, uh, you know, looks like it would be a good get if you could grab him on the market. Um, but, and the thing is, is that we know that so many teams have already completely uh, spent all of their money, so they don't have any money for this guy. So we don't know what the White Sox have either because, uh, surprise, surprise, uh, we're in the dark as far as some of the uh, team's financials go. Uh, you don't know the manager's contract. You don't know how much he's making. You don't know what the GM's contract is, how much money he's making. Same thing over and over again. But, you know, we know that they spent money on Colas and uh, Hernandez, uh, but haven't heard too much about what any of the other players were played. Sorry, what the players were paid. Um, So we don't know what they could offer him. (laughs) <laughs> you know, who knows what they could offer him. So, uh, but, you know, he's, yes, looking to sign this year, apparently, is is what I've heard. You know, obviously not an agent, not a team, so I don't know exact uh, things. But uh, from what I had seen uh, is that he was looking for a deal this year. So, who knows? I guess we'll see. Uh, I, I looked it up and... Uh, have seen zero movement on him thus far. So uh, we're still kind of waiting to see if uh, anything happens with him. Um, well, you know, uh, if uh, any, any, any of the history that Raycon has in the, uh, the international free agent market uh, comes into play here, uh, you know, we at least know they will be uh, tossing their hat in the ring, given that there's, uh, you know, some money to throw around, but, Again, like you said, we don't really know exactly what kind of money is uh, out there and, you know, what this kid is looking for. So, you know, we can only keep our fingers crossed. But uh, the international free agent market has been pretty good to the White Sox in the over the past years here. So, yeah, uh, the Cuban market, especially, uh, you know, between uh, Jose Contreras mentoring uh, Norge Vera and uh, Jose Abreu and... Uh, Yoan and Luis Robert, who knows, maybe, maybe it does happen. Um, on the other hand, you know, I've heard, uh, I've heard a rumor, a couple of rumors about uh, a couple of different other places that he said that he would like to go. And, you know, who knows? I do know that one of those teams that was rumored, they have no money. They've already spent all of their money, uh, not to mention being under penalty uh, for signing, uh, uh, who was it? Springer last year. So, uh, the blue Jays had their cap space knocked down to, uh, or their, uh, international free agent spending money knocked down to something around like 4.4 million, which was like a one and a quarter million dollar knockdown from their normal, uh, money that they would have had. So, um, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. 
Uh, and, you know, I hear uh, there's a former White Sox pitcher, Esteban Loiza, can uh, coach him on a uh, retirement plan as well. Eesh. Yikes. Uh, that's not the uh, kind of retirement <laughs> I don't think he's looking for. Although, you know, three squares and a bed, you know, I mean, it's pretty good stuff. Hey, you know, hey. f- free of charge. So, I know somebody uh, that'll take that deal right now, actually. Uh, my uh, my my youngest brother uh, moving into my pad here over the next uh, few days. So three hots and a cop might do him some good. There you go. Um, Anyways, I digress. Uh, so I don't know if you saw uh, this week. Um, apparently, uh, Coop talked to uh, Ryan Burr. Um a few years ago about developing a cutter and apparently the cutter has turned into something. And, uh, that is the reason why Liam Hendricks is choosing to call Ryan Burr, the breakout guy this year for the Sox pitching staff. Um, obviously, uh, we haven't seen it yet and, uh, spring training ain't happened. So, uh, I guess we'll see it when we see it. Um, but you know, if, he can happen to uh, work out some sort of uh, Corbin Burns-like type cutter. Uh, that would be pretty awesome. Uh, yeah. I mean, I like your comp. You know, uh, you want to talk about a guy with a breakout season. I mean, let's, you know, we looked at, he looked good in 2020, but uh, 21, oof, yeah. good stuff. If, if we can get that kind of comparison out of him, uh, I think most fans would be extremely happy with that. Yeah, I seem to remember uh, there was a rumor flying around Twitter about trading Nick Madrigal for Corbin Burns at one point. Does, does that does that ring a bell? I think that yeah, sounds familiar. I can't remember. I'm pretty sure it was Burns and not Woodruff. And people were going out of their minds saying we can't trade Madrigal for Corbin Burns. Well, if that was uh, a thing, yikes! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we traded him for uh, yeah. You know, yeah, 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 no, I know. We're not even going to get into it. We're not even going to get into it. Old Crimble. Yeah, old Craig Crimble. Crimbles. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty ugly. Um, yeah, so, um, what was the, uh, ah. So, speaking of uh, the top 100 prospects list and uh, farm system rankings, um, BP, Baseball America, Baseball Prospectus, uh, Fangraphs, and uh, an MLB Pipeline have all pretty much thrown. I, I think I, maybe Fangraphs haven't, hasn't done it yet. I know that they put out their Zips projections, and uh, we can talk about that in a few. Um, but um, basically, all the top 100 lists uh, show zero White Sox. Um, the only other team that has zero prospects in the top 100, and that only happens on one of the three lists, or four lists that I saw, uh, was the Astros. And I think it was MLB Pipeline that did not have them having a top 100 prospect. Uh, all the other ones did. Um, not a... Not a uh, not an awesome feeling no. for uh, the White Sox, but you know we've graduated a ton of players. So, uh, what did That's you expect? That's usually what happens. Yeah. It's usually what happens. And then you know you also look at the amount of uh, prep players 
that have been drafted by Han and company over the last couple of years. And it's going to take a minute for these guys to come into their own. Uh, I expect, you know, maybe when the midseason rankings come out on the farm system that, uh, you know, after some of these other teams graduate, some of their top guys, some of our guys show some progression. And if, <laughs> if there's a, uh, a uh, minor league season. Some of those guys show some progression. Well, the minor league season's definitely happening. Oh uh, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. Yeah. You're absolutely right. They are not part of the MLBPA. I apologize, but yeah. So in that case, uh, you know, maybe we'll see some progression. Unfortunately, if there's not an MLB season or a delay to the MLB season, uh, some of those uh, you know top prospects won't actually have a chance to uh, graduate as quickly. So, uh, you know, maybe those rankings won't be updated quite as much as we would hope. But at some point throughout this season, you know, I, I imagine there's going to be a season at some point, you know, whether it's late or not is a whole other story. But uh, definitely going to I think that the, the White Sox farm system will make some leaps and bounds. Some. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Between 2020 with no minor league season whatsoever. Uh, for several of those uh, high school, you know, prep athletes coming to the White Sox, and 2021, where you look at some of the Canapolis uh, uh, defense not being uh, very helpful at times, um, you know, really stunted the growth of these. Uh, prep pitchers that were drafted you know they can't they're not getting out of the first inning because uh you know they have a little bit of a control issue and uh then you know say they go three two on a guy and then somebody makes an error and uh then they go three two on the next guy and give up a hit and then three two on the next guy and it's a pass ball ends up a walk you know and then they're at 35 pitches in the first inning and then they're getting pulled because it's the uh franchise uh pitch limit per inning is 30 pitches and uh and then that's it you know these guys are gone and out of the game and they've pitched to three batters and the innings you know inning the game for them's over you know they hit the showers and they're like well i threw my 35 pitches for the game and uh now i won't pitch for another week you know i mean that is not helpful to uh anybody at all and um you know it just slows development and um Oh, it's awesome for development, no? Well, I mean, if you want to get a lot of pitchers in the game, yeah. <laughs> you know, but not you know? for the uh, the top prospects in the system that you're trying to, uh, you know, get innings and uh, get them out there so they can see what they're doing, you know? I hey, mean, it's just you know, uh, rough. Why not just work through your entire progression in one inning? What the heck? Yeah, brutal. Um, yeah, so that's obviously that was uh, – not uh, ideal for development in the system. And, you know, now uh, this year, you know, we've got uh, Montgomery and Kath uh, coming. Uh, unfortunately, Tanner McDougal, uh, another prep uh, pitcher, end up having uh, Tommy John. So he's not uh, going to be pitching a whole lot uh, until maybe, you know, starting to go through his rehab in like September, October, or whatever. Um, so those are the uh, the headliners of that uh, of that prep class from uh last year so i don't know we'll see what uh see what happens with uh that whole thing um probably going to uh be making a journey 
down to uh, Winston and Kannapolis uh, for opening series weeks uh, in uh, early April. And uh, you go hang out with the parentals for a little bit. Yeah, go go see the parents. And uh, I already talked to him about it today. He says he's uh, he's into going to some games, so we're going to go down there. Uh, hopefully, I'll be able to catch. Uh, I'm assuming that uh, Vera is probably going to end up in uh, Winston Salem, so probably go and see him uh, pitch over there, and uh, hopefully catch some uh, Colson Montgomery West Cath action uh, in Canapolis, and um, that uh, that excites me very much. Uh, looking forward to seeing some baseball and uh, having it not be the uh, Caribbean Series or uh, the Dominican League, which. Uh, you know, for the most part, we don't have any uh, have any rooting interest whatsoever. I mean, we had uh, Mike Adolfo playing on the uh, one of the teams, and uh, Andrew Perez, uh, friend of the program here, uh, he was pitching for uh, a team in the Dominican. Um, trying to remember. Oh yeah, Melky Cabrera was on one of the teams, and. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, there's some White Sox ties, but nothing, uh, nothing too crazy. Uh, and the thing was, like Adolfo, like he played most of his games in like the uh, in the first uh, like ten games of their season, hit a couple of home runs in one game, and uh, that's pretty much like he didn't play for like the final two weeks or something. So I don't know what's going on with him. I don't know if there's. Uh, you know, if he had to leave and go and start doing workouts for the White Sox or what the heck's going on, but yeah, who knows? Yeah, I mean, uh, when you're uh, when you're already looking forward to the uh, ACL, <laughs> and it's February. Oof, yeah, yeah. Do you cath? Do I cath? I don't know what that okay. means. Other than yeah, I don't uh, get it. Yeah, I don't get it. I guess uh, the chat being in slow mode is also putting my brain in slow mode because I don't get it. Um, well, I've been in slow mode for a while, so you know my apologies to anybody if I just ramble and repeat myself. But hey, how would that be any different from any other uh, <laughs> any other stream that we do here? Workouts for the White Sox. Did you see Eloy shirtless? Uh, no, I did not. Um, uh, yeah, he looks like he's been hanging out at Krispy Kreme a lot, dude. I'm not going to lie. I'm Wonderful. That'll help him defensively. Maybe he won't be able to run as fast, so uh, he won't be doing as many stupid things. He looks like he's got some padding for the walls, that's for sure. He's uh, he's looking a little soft. Starting to look that. like uh, Cecil? N- no, not quite Cecil Fielder. Just <laughs> zero <laughs> Zero definition with a little bit of moob going on. Yeah. Last thing we need is Miker giving the White Sox an excuse to not sign slash trade a trade for a legit right fielder. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's only a few options out there, and uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, there's a uh, ah Catholic catheter. Well, jeez. I know I do not cath then. Um, yeah, me neither. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I don't know. The whole uh, outfield scenario and second base scenario, that's, I mean, we've beat that one to death too. Um, nobody 
is thrilled about either of those situations at this point. So um, we can leave that one alone. Um, on the minor league tip, um, I am going to be having a conversation slash uh, doing a pod slash stream with uh, our very own Dan Victor on Wednesday at 7 p.m. So uh, if anybody's interested in that, feel free to uh, hop on over and take a listen. Uh, we're going to be discussing uh, White Sox farm pitching. So that should be a good time. Uh, we're going to basically go through all the levels. Um, I mean, there's not going to be a ton of information uh, about the DSL guys just because there isn't a lot of information. I mean, there's a, some stats here and there. And, uh, you know, like when we talked about Norhe Vera pitching in the DSL, you know, and him striking out 35 people and walking like four or whatever it was, uh, they're 16 years old. So um, how much of that really matters? Um, we know that Vera's got great stuff, but – uh, we will see him against uh, stateside competition and see what he's uh, what he's got in store for us. I'm really interested to see how that uh, yeah how that goes. The only bright side to him pitching that is is the fact that he's playing ball at all. You know, yeah. after a little bit of a layoff and not playing for a while, you know, the fact that he's playing ball, he's out there doing baseball activities. I'll take it, but uh, development wise, you know, when you're it'd be like you and I throwing a fourth graders. You know what I mean? Uh, pretty much not going to do. It's not going to do anything for his confidence. Probably not going to help his development much. So, but you know, again, he's out there doing baseball things. So, yeah. Which, you know, for a lot of guys, uh, a lot of guys would take that right now. A lot of guys aren't getting that thing. So, yeah. Um, so, uh, Mark or. Uh, White Sox Daily's Mark Orr Donuts 33 asks, what's the rumor about Chapman at third and Moncada slotted back to second? Any validity? And my response wow, is, I hadn't heard good that one. Lord, I hope not. Um, I, I had not heard that one at all. Uh, I'm not a fan of moving Moncada back to second at all for anyone. Me either. You, I mean, really, you know, we, we saw that. We, we've been down that road before. Yeah, and if you, you look know, at uh, Chapman's, look at Chapman's uh, defensive metrics, and it is yeah, no. ugly. His his fielding's great, you know, one of the, probably the best third baseman in the game. However, uh, his offensive numbers, ooh, they are not good, not good right. at all. Right. Um, you know, so uh, they could get him for a steal. So that's probably why we're going to see it happen. Because then we'll just move Mankata over to second, and he'll be perfectly fine. Meanwhile, because everybody was worried that we didn't want to move Mankata off a of third because and put Jake Berger at third and move Mankata to second, so uh, you know because it was going to make us worse at two positions. Now we're going to get Chapman, so we'll actually be better defensively at third and uh, and okay at second. The one issue being that. Uh, Mankata mentally was not there when he was at second base, so uh, I think his, uh, you know, yeah. Well, I, I mean, know. his his defense and his offense seemed to uh, struggle both while he played second base. Moving to third seemed to uh, do wonder for him. You know, it's a more natural position for him, I think. 
you know, his his build, his body type, his style. Uh, I I honestly don't know why people suggest these things. Uh, I see that somebody was saying it was a fan sided article, so I don't know if it's a rumor or just some you know some blogger uh you know throwing it out there as a suggestion or thinking yeah. it might be a good idea but uh you know let's be realistic here uh it's it's oh mark says uh he didn't say he liked it he just heard it no and, and we get it we get it it's just uh i would guess that it was probably a blogger just kind of throwing his opinion out there and uh you know i can't say much about those guys because i i'm also I've been known to do some blogging of my own. Uh, I haven't done any writing for uh, White Sox Daily lately, but, uh, you know, not everybody agrees with my opinions either. So, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, you c- like the saying goes, you can't make everybody happy. So, uh, you know, there's going to be some people that uh, are going to be like, oh, this guy's an idiot. And, you know, that's, that's fine. We probably are idiots. That's perfectly acceptable hey. for somebody to uh suggest at some point i'm sure we've said some uh some things on here that are somewhat questionable if if i was some sort of guru in that department uh i probably wouldn't be sitting here with you so you know i'll put my opinion out there i'll let you read it you can beat me up all about it you want that's it, uh you know that's the uh, the power of free speech here in the u.s so like it, don't like it. I don't care. Yeah. Um, what? what uh, let's see. Wait, it gets better. Well, I'm waiting. Uh, I am okay. waiting. Um, yeah, slow can, mode. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what we get for slow mode. Well, you know, I just don't want to fill it up in uh, five seconds with, uh, you know, a bunch yeah, of stuff. Yeah, that and, uh, you know, streaming difficulties and whatnot. You know, let's uh, try to keep the flow as good as we possibly can here. Inside the clubhouse on WSCR, baseball beat reporter Bruce Levine mentioned that the A's will be looking to move several key players. He believes if the White Sox want to land an impact player, they should do whatever they can to get third baseman Matt Chapman. Doing so, Levine says, Levine, Levine, Bruce Levine, says, will open up the opportunity for them to move Yoan Mankata back to second base or into the outfield. Bruce... Come on, man. Uh, both bad ideas. <laughs> it, it, mm. Yeah. So we so we move Yohan Mancada into the alpha. Uh we've got Aloy, Lewis Robert, Yohan Mancada. Uh you've got Gavin Sheets bat, the left handed bat that you'd probably want to get in a lineup after seeing what he did last season a little bit more. So you, you're probably going to have him at DH a little bit, might play a little bit of outfield. And then you've got the, uh, you know, one of the biggest prospects in the organization always going out. Well, not a prospect anymore, but is going into a sophomore season. And Andrew Vaughn, where do you put these guys? Well, see, my you just, just as just a slot Chapman into your lineup somewhere. I'm thinking that Luis Robert has probably never played catcher. And, you know, um, Yohan Mankata has never played the outfield, so let's move him into the outfield and we'll put, uh, we'll put Luis behind the plate and, uh, we'll put Grandal, uh, at second base. Well, uh, I think we've got uh, something going here. 
With his speed and his arm, his pop time has got to be great. He'd be throwing everybody out at second base, I'm guessing. Yeah, that's true. We just have to teach him how to, uh, you know, do everything else. Uh, receive, you know, receive and uh, block pitches because with those sliders and everything, if what we heard from Steve Stone is true, uh, that during the playoffs they were afraid that Grandal was not going to be able to stop the sliders in the dirt, that they didn't want to throw him, and that's why they threw all the fastballs. Um, could you imagine? Yikes. One of the best defensive catchers in the game didn't want to stop uh, balls in the dirt. Yeah. That's a heck of a theory. Well, I mean, I did hear that uh, he did say that he had he was obviously having problems crouching and he was having problems moving laterally because of the knee issues and that he will be a better uh, defensive catcher this year. So, I mean, I'm all, you know, hey, I didn't think he was that bad last year. I know that there were, a, you know, there's always always going to be people that are going to rag on him for whatever goes wrong so um you know i don't i I take that with a grain of salt um but you know there was some stuff that uh that could have been better last year uh but also the thing is is that he had knee surgery mid-year and then he had knee surgery as soon as the season was over so i mean clearly the guy wasn't right the entire season so getting on him about it is just kind of silly the only people that really have a problem with with Yaz that I'm seeing, at least anyway, is uh, the fact that they all were in love with McCann. And uh, when McCann was let go, it was just the biggest mistake in the world. We gave Yasmani Grandal too much money to take over a spot, and we had McCann back there, you know, doing all these things. But uh, has anybody looked at what McCann did last year? Yeah, that's my favorite. Love James McCann. Great great human being but that's like one of my favorite things to do is when somebody brings up well we should have we should have kept McCann or we should trade for McCann or you know whatever they Mets weren't happy with McCann so let's trade for him and get him back if you look at his numbers and look at Grandal's numbers they're not too dissimilar and that was with you know Grandal playing with a bum knee so, and if you look at his offensive numbers, miles above what McCann did. So, what 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 exactly are we trading for then? A backup catcher because that's what he is. I mean, behind Rondal, he is. Yeah, never. I mean, he's never put together an entire season ever. Right. So I, I I really don't see like what the thing is, you know, like what the obsession is with him. I and mean, he's a great dude. I know that the women find him extremely good to look at. Fine, cool, good for him. That does not equate to uh you know, good baseball. Just saying. Yeah. And and I'm seeing here in the chat that uh, you know, uh White Sox Premium case is uh he doesn't blame Grandal for most of the stolen bases. And you know, we we've talked about this before. We all agree that uh yeah pitchers not holding runners on. Uh you know, I don't know if that was an Eaton Cats thing. We talked about this before or just a a general organizational uh change in philosophy that, you know, maybe pitchers just needed to focus on throwing the ball where they were supposed to throw the ball and, you know, worry less about the runners. But it it did come bite. It did come back to bite the socks in the butt a few times last year, but uh, we all agree that you know a lot of most of that was not on Grandal. And then you couple 
the fact that he did have those injuries, uh, pop times were going to be hard. It was some discomfort, you know, throw it all together. And it just was not a, a, uh, a productive category for the White Sox last year. And I expect some of that to change this year. Yeah. I mean, it has to, doesn't it? Uh, you would think so. You would think so. You know, with a healthy as, and, uh, another year of, uh, Ethan Katz in the system, you'd think maybe, uh, you know, the, he works through the kinks with some of these guys and gets them thrown back over to first base and holding runners on a little bit better. Let's hope. Cause, uh, watching, watching everybody else, uh, stealing bases on us and, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, there, I mean, there's a bunch of stuff that, uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens this year with the White Sox and how things are different this year. Uh, this is something I haven't brought up at all, really, is I'm really interested to see what the difference is this year. I know that uh, Rick Hahn had mentioned that the White Sox were in the top third of the league or whatever in success when using the shift. And that was one of the things that we had talked about quite a bit. And I mean, quite honestly, like the whole White Sox fan base had talked about, uh, you know, the lack of the shift and, um, you know, we bring up this, uh, holding the runners on thing. That's another thing. And it's like, you look at the deficiencies for the White Sox defensively and just like the, the little, the little things that could make, uh, add up to a, a big result at the end of the year, uh, results wise. Um, I wonder what kind of changes they're you know, they're making, looking to make, to make the team, uh, better, you know, for, uh, you know, for this next season, is, is there, is there a difference, you know, is, is Shelly Duncan going to, uh, you know, is he going to have uh, more input there? You know, is that going to be a thing that's going to uh, that's going to help? Was it? You know, that's that's the the issue with um, criticizing or making an assessment of what was happening last year is that you don't know what kind of information was being passed there. And whether we're getting the correct numbers or whether they're just being ignored or, or what, you know, like you just have no idea. So, I mean, how do you make a a proper assessment on this stuff without actually knowing what you're assessing? Right. Right. We, we, we weren't in the room to, uh, to hear the discussions, you know, organizationally, uh, coaching, you know, any of those, you can't really. You, you can't really judge based on, you know, what ifs and and what was said when you don't know what was said. So I, I'm with you on that. But at the same time, there are there were some things that were pretty glaring that needed to change. And you have to you have to at least hope that uh, we're not the only ones seeing these things. You know what I mean? And it's somebody is going to have to go, OK, I got to put my two cents in here. You know, like you said, whether it's Shelly Duncan kind of jumping in and, and doing some things or whether it's, you know, some of the other coaches in the organization, the bench coaches, you know, whoever, whoever it might be, uh, you know, your player development coaches, uh, 
somebody's got to step up and say, okay, here's where we made some mistakes and we need to try to do it. It's just maybe just do something different, whether or not we know it's going to fix anything or not, but we got to make some changes somewhere. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, let's not get carried away. You know, I mean, we did have a, a, a nice team last year and made it to the playoffs. And I can only imagine that, uh, even if, uh, Aloy does look like baby Huey now that um, will still, you know, a, f- a full season of guys being healthy uh, should equate to hopefully right. an explosive offense. And, you know, we're talking about this, that uh, we're going to have to wait and see what's going to happen with the second base and right fielder. And, uh, no, but you know, I mean, it's pitching, a good but... point that you make. If if we get uh, you know, it, and let me knock on wood when I say this here, but you know, if we do get a full season or close to a full season all the way, because we haven't really had that yet. I mean, he's found a way to you know find some time off every year. Uh, if we get you know Luis Robert, if we get you know Yasmani, Yoan, you know all these guys that kind of went through some uh, some health struggles. And you know the enormous amount of of hammies that uh, we saw happen in the White Sox organization. If we could even just cut some of that in half, and kind of see a consistent lineup out there every day, let these guys play, let these guys gel, let them do what they do. I imagine this team is going to be just as good, if not better, than it was last year, even with a hole at second base and right field. You know, um, I'm, I, which I assume are going to be filled some way, shape, or form. Obviously, we we know you can't just field seven guys, but. Uh, the injuries were tough. Yeah, they were tough. We talked about next man up a lot, a lot, a lot, and they did some pretty good things with that. They did. But you know, Detroit made some really big moves so far in this offseason before everything was shut down. And uh, you know, they made improvements to their pitching staff. They made improvements to their their lineup. Their manager had them doing things over there that nobody thought they were going to do. You know, after the first month and a half of the season, so. Uh, you know, I, I, you just hope that the White Sox aren't playing around. This is not the year. I saw somebody in the chat say that, uh, you know, resting guys ridiculous amounts of times at the sacrifice of spots in, uh, uh, in positions in the standings. And, you know, the Sox were fortunate enough to have that big lead in the Central, knowing that they were going to win the Central and go and move on to the playoffs. But, uh, seating might have hurt them a little bit in the offseason or in the postseason. But, uh, you know, that we talk about this competitive window often. We talk about it real often. And, uh, you know, as that window is supposedly wide open, it's only going to stay open for so long before everybody else starts catching up. So time to do something. Yeah. I mean, uh, it, I, <laughs> the the window you know it could be uh just opening it could be uh could be that it's been open for 2 years and they you know as suggested in the chat that they should have been better um i don't uh, necessarily disagree with that i feel like the results probably should have been a little better at the end of the season there but um they weren't they were i mean not. that's 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 the long and short of it. it they were not better than they were should no, have, I, you know, you know. I mean, you could say that they should have, but in reality, should they have been? I, I don't, I don't have a hundred percent 
answer, you know, a correct uh, or, you know, not necessarily an accurate answer for that because for all I know is that, uh, you know, what happened was a, a microcosm of exactly who these guys are. You know, I mean, yeah. we, we yeah. don't really have an answer for that. And judging it on 2020 and 2021 um, is not really, uh, I mean, it's, you know, people talk about small sample sizes. I mean, it, it's a small sample size. A year and a half is a, a year and a third, you know, essentially is, is, is a small sample size, you know, especially when right. spread out over that long of a time and with those injuries and all that. And now that, you know, I mean, you saw Rodon last year and he is not, uh, currently he is not slated to be with the team. So, uh, him being arguably their best pitcher last year, uh, despite, uh, the longevity through the season, if he's not here, you know, we don't know what we're looking at next year. So, I mean, the argument could be made both ways is that they, uh, they didn't expect Rodon to do that. And uh, they actually ended up doing better than they should have. You know, I mean, you can make arguments both ways. And, you know, like the fact that the twins fell flat on their face. You know, I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff that you could say is, you know, contradictory to whatever kind of point you want to make. So... Uh, it's just kind of one of those things. We we have to see. Uh, th- there needs to be more of a sample size. We need to see more of you know. The well, team. you know, let's 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 use another team as an example. Over the last ten, twelve years, how many times did we hear that the Mets, you know, going into the to the regular season, the offseason, the Mets made this move, the Mets made that move, uh, quite possibly the best team in baseball. You know, they're 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 right up there with the with the Dodgers and the Astros and everybody else. And then they fall flat on their face come postseason, you know, uh, and I'm not saying recently, but it wasn't that long ago when you were hearing about them all the time. And, you know, we talk about this last two seasons. Hey, there he is. (laughs) (laughs) The last two seasons, uh, the White Sox made the postseason. It's the first time in franchise history that the White Sox have gone back to back into the postseason. But the result was the same. You know, you get yep. into a three-game series and uh, you get one win. And I don't care. If, the, if they went to the postseason six times in a row and only got one win, I am going to be extremely disappointed. That is not fun. That's yeah. not fun. I would almost rather sit through another four-year tank and rebuild. And I would at least feel like I had something to talk about watching Rick Hahn do his magic. Now I'm just sitting here bitching about why they can't get further. <laughs> yeah, I I could understand that uh, that point of view is that uh, you know like we've we've put so much energy into saying how awesome the team's going to be, and uh, you know if those were the results again, I mean I think that there would be people walking into oncoming traffic out on uh, <laughs> the Dan Ryan. <laughs> I mean it's just you know it's. Uh, you know, like I just, uh, you know, I'm hoping, you know, and I, and I don't mean to get like all negative about this, but, you know, I just, you know, I'm simply saying that there are, there are counter arguments to everything that's being say, said just because there isn't enough of a sample size, you know, and, you know, I call it negative or whatever. I'm just kind of trying to throw out, you know, multiple 
uh, different things that uh, you don't hear. I I mean, you really don't hear anybody say that either, you know? So uh, I just don't want to see the the parking lots at the uh, at the great uh, turn into a homeless encampment because, uh, you know, the team is so disappointing that there's no reason to uh, not have one there. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, I don't think like I, I honestly don't think that this is, you know, the reality of the situation. I'm just, you know, no, simply I, I making counterpoints I, and whatever, right. just being stupid, I guess. Right. But, you know, I, I don't want, uh, you know, it's one of those things I just s- blind optimism without paying attention to what's actually going on here. And, you know, from uh, hearing about, uh, I had not seen the pictures of Mr. Eloy Jimenez. Uh, oh, let me just tell you, he's it's it's not like he's fat. He doesn't look like Baby Huey. He's just looks soft. He 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 looks a little. Uh, he just doesn't look like he's got a very good physique, and and I'll leave it at that. You yeah, know. what else is new? He's still got. He's still about the same size, but there is zero definition. And you know, for a guy in his early twenties to have the same kind of moobs, man boobs that I do, uh, was a little off-putting. Well, you know, the thing is, is that he probably heard about uh, Alec Hansen retiring, and uh, the year that he tried to be more athletic. Uh, coming off leading the league, and um, he just decided that you know he's not going to go in that direction, and he's not going to uh, lose forty pounds and uh, try and be athletic. He's just going to let it go. You know, it is who it is. You know, it is, it is who he is, and uh, you know that's what his mom says: is that no matter what he looks like, that she'll love him. So, hi, mom. Hi, mom. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so uh, going back to these uh, um, systems rankings, uh, an odd thing happened today. Um, Keith Law dropped his um, dropped his top farm systems. Um, hey, Giggities, what's up? How you doing, buddy? Hanson was a head case. Yeah, well, you know, he just couldn't get his. Uh, couldn't get his mechanics in order, and uh, when you can't do that, and no matter what you do, you seem to uh, walk, or you know, no matter what you do, um, it seems like whatever is on this planet is against you. I'm sure you probably do feel a little, de- little defeated, and uh, you know, he just had a had a rough time. So, um, but anyway, Keith Law said um, he did rank them thirtieth. Out of 30 teams, so, you know, surprise, surprise. Uh, The good thing, though, is that um, he did mention that uh, Rick Hahn did do um, some some good things and, uh, you know, talks about, you know, with the fact that they have graduated as many players as they've graduated and – you know, brought, uh, you know, traded for as much as they have. And the fact that all these guys are coming up from the system is that they did their good job. You know, like Rick Hahn did what he was supposed to, is that he built it and these, you know, the cream is rising to the top like it's supposed to and that uh, he did do a good job. So, 
You know, I mean, take that for what it's worth because it's Keith Law and um, he has been uh, accused heavily of being a White Sox hater, uh, which, you know, as a White Sox fan, I could see how you would say that. Um, Can't say that I agree with him often, if ever. (laughs) There is a little bit of that. Um, Yeah, he does. uh, He does, you know, make me... uh, a little angry every once in a while, but, um, you know, <laughs> Keith Law listens to Carcass. He's cool with me. All right, you know. I mean, but see, the thing is, though, is that, you know, is he like, uh, you know, did he just start listening to Carcass, or does he go does he go deep into the catalog? That's, that's the real question. Does he go back to, like, 1987? Descanting the insalubrious. I mean, like, is that what he's doing? Yeah. You know, like, are we going far back? Or are we, uh, you know, or are we just talking, you know, like he's listening to uh, the new record, you know? That's what I need to know. Giggity says, seeing all the high-ceiling talent they passed on for low-ceiling college guys isn't enough to make you puke, but I digress. Well, you know. I don't know if I would say they're low-ceiling guys. Uh, You know, obviously, when you get into later rounds, some of them are, but. You know, we knew that this was going to happen because it, it was talked about ad nauseum at the beginning of the rebuild that Rick Hahn was going to do everything in his power to get the guys that were, you know, close and upcoming to uh, being MLB ready to, you know, build this team and, and be part of the competitive window. And then we were going to see the drop into the, the, the prep uh, area to keep that pipeline rolling. Which is, I think, why part of the, uh, you know, we, we talked about the the early uh, extensions on some of these guys. And I think those early extensions were not just to pay the players that are on the field, but also to buy the Sox some time for some of these younger guys to uh, develop and become what the White Sox hope they can be. So, you know, we knew this time was coming. As things progress, like we talked about, other guys graduate from the top 100 and some of our guys progress through their development, you know, we'll see some of these guys make some jumps, but you know, yeah, I can't say that it isn't hard to look at right now after being one of the top farm systems for the last three or four years. Yeah. Uh, to, uh, to be at the, at the very bottom of the, the pool here is a, uh, it's a little tough to look at, but yeah, I mean, the, the, the really unfortunate thing, you know, is that, uh, I don't, I don't know, uh, how much time you've had, but, it, um, our buddies, uh, in good guys talk back, were on the 108 uh, last week, um, and uh, you know what? I did catch the tweet, and I have not caught the show. It's so. yeah, you should listen to it. It was a, it was a really good time. Um, one thing that they that they do mention in there is that um, the fact that they tanked so they could you know get these high draft picks and everything, and the fact that a bunch of these guys have not panned out uh and then we traded magical but i mean like the fact that you know collins and uh like none of these guys are have been up really and uh the fact that they haven't developed is that they might as well just have kept the players that they had and kept on drafting and hoped to hit somebody and signed a free agent and they'd probably be in the exact same place i mean i can't go exactly you know that far with it but you know um you know what I'm saying? Uh, it's just uh, no. I I get it, and that's it's a fair argument. Uh, I I don't necessarily disagree with it. 
But, you know, that kind of maybe says something about the White Sox development staff. You know, player development, we all know that they've been they've been pumping out pitchers, especially bullpen pitchers, for a yeah. long time. Yep. I mean, they, they are just a school for, for bullpen guys. And, you know, they haven't been terrible in, in the starting rotation, but uh, they've actually been, you know, fairly decent. But when it comes to position players and guys swinging the bat a little bit, uh, it seems like development just seemed – they just seem behind in that field. And, you know, now we've got a new player development crew within the organization. And yeah. the hope is that, you know, you see a turnaround somewhere. So yeah, uh, I can't really judge 100% on that because that change has only been made in the last I think it was. It's, yeah, I mean, you're, it's exactly like we were talking season. about small sample size. You know, is that you know we haven't uh, we haven't had enough time to uh, to completely digest what's happening down there. Um, but you know, then again, you know these these guys that they took in the you know in the in the first round. You know, I mean, Nick Hostetler had to do with these do with these picks, and you know he did a great job last year with. Uh, with pro pro personnel acquisition, he did, he did a really good job on that, you know? Um, however, you know, it's just some of those guys haven't panned out and, uh, you know, it's like, uh, you know, uh, giggities and, uh, and these guys in the chat, they can slag on magical all they want. But I mean, we're talking about the history of MLB's greatest two strike hitter of all time. You know, I'm just saying, Wow, you sample size in one sentence and then do that hey, man. next. Hey, you know, I gotta, I gotta give it back to him. I gotta give it back. It's fine. Man. Um, oh man, well I can appreciate your brand of humor. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> like I, you know, it's, it's India over magical. Yeah, I mean we had we've had that talk before, and uh, I, I had my guy that also was not drafted, and uh, whatever it is what it is. You know, it's who, it's who they took, and. Um, I believe I sat with you. I sat right next to you. I think I was sandwiched between you and uh, White Sox Premium K yeah. during that first round of that draft, and we all had opinions. And yep. uh, what happened in that draft did not match any of our opinions. So, needless to say, you know we didn't we didn't agree with how it went down. Uh, there was times where it looked like it was going to turn out to be a better pick than any of us thought, and unfortunately, the kid can't stay healthy. And now he's not even in the White Sox organization, so I'd rather not even talk about him much anymore because all Fair I want to hear is the all I want to hear is that well, I'm just saying I'm not saying here on the show, talking more in general, social media, the toilet that is uh you know, folks making the uh, Tatis comparisons and you know, you can just throw that out the window because it's not even the same boat. Yeah, I mean it's I've said a couple hundred times uh, you know, that uh, he hadn't played stateside and what he was doing down there. He didn't start hitting until he was gone for a year and a half from the White Sox system, blah, blah, blah. I mean, you can sit, you sit here and try and tell people, but no matter what, the masses are always going to say, oh, the White Sox traded Fernando Tatis. Yeah, they, for- don't, they don't care about what was going on at the yeah. moment. They only care about the result now, and they don't really want to pay attention to, uh, you know, how that whole thing went down, so. Yeah, you know, there's there's the uh, the old saying, uh, Ron White used to say, "You can't fix stupid." So, <laughs> I'm not calling anybody stupid. Uh, just a disclaimer, real quick, right there, and I'll leave it at that. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Anywho, um, 
trying to think if there's anything else that I'm missing here. Um, I don't really think so. No, I think we, uh, I think we actually covered quite a bit considering, uh, how the fact things that there's nothing going on. Yeah. Yeah. And, there's a little bit that, you know, um, uh, all I can say is that I do appreciate all you guys in the chat. You guys do bring a lot to the conversation. You keep Ian and I talking. So thank you for that. Yeah, thank uh, you. We love all. We love each and every one of you. You guys are the best. Yeah, thanks so. for coming in and uh, and chatting and uh, bringing up topics. Uh, also, um, I don't know if you saw this. Did you see uh, that uh, we've had some guys that have been throwing some uh, bullpens here recently? Uh, just a, a quick aside. Um, I, I did see a, a few things, you know, the old tweet box. Yeah, so uh, Gil Luna Jr., uh, was just throwing at uh, Camelback the other day, and uh, he was looking nice. And uh, also, um, a couple of guys uh, in the system, Ramsey, throwing uh, 97 out of a rocker and uh, just looking uh, really nasty. And uh, Declan Cronin also uh, hitting like 96, 97 as well uh, in, at uh, Tread Athletics, which... Um, you know, yeah, tread. Saw that he was in the cage there. Was, yeah, both nice. of those guys are at tread, and uh, uh, Mitch Keller with the Pirates is also over at tread. Uh, they seem to be doing some some really good things over there. Uh, Mitch Keller is now throwing like one hundred point five, um, so he's up like three and a half miles an hour or so. Um, just like some crazy stuff. Um, I, I mean. The fact that you see uh, Lane Ramsey and Declan Cronin both throwing up there, looking comfortable, nice. Repeat. Yeah, and that's that's awesome because you know they say I and I don't remember the exact number, but going from ninety-seven to hundred miles an hour, that three mile an hour difference has an effect of something like thirty percent, yeah, or more on contact rates. It might even be higher than that. I'm not yeah, sure, I so. think that they. I so think that those guys are more like in the uh, like two th- two to three mile an hour up from uh, f- for those guys. But I mean, like we're still, you know, it's a it's a nice sizable thing. And I know that they've been doing some uh, some pitcher work, you know, like some pitch work, uh, like uh, lab work down there as well that have uh, really seemed to help both of them. From uh, my conversations with uh, Dan. And uh, that is a perfect segue uh, to mention to everybody in here that uh, on Wednesday at 7 p.m. I will be having a nice uh, little chat about the minor league, uh, the White Sox minor league systems uh, pitching with uh, Dan Victor, who writes for Prospects 1500 and also for White Sox Daily. Uh, He just uh, put out an article about uh, third round, uh, third rounder Sean Burke out of Maryland that... uh, the White Sox picked up, and uh, before that, he had thrown together an article Agreed. on Gil Luna Jr. Also, very good stuff. Um, uh, so that should be a good time. Dan's a great dude, and uh, yeah, so I'm really looking forward to that. It should be fun. So uh, we'll probably be on for like a you know seven to eight thirty ish or so, I would think. You know, just uh, jabbering about uh, minor league baseball. So that should be a good time. Right on. Are you planning on uh, having a chat going that night as well, or? Yeah, yeah, it'll be yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna it it will be up on the uh the old Twitch. So uh, you know, we'll do that and Perfect. uh 
Yeah, we'll do I, that uh, and then uh, put it out I on the podcast. I got a lot going on this week, but I might yeah. jump in the chat if I find us a you know a few extra minutes. Yep, and uh, you know as as per normal uh, with the podcasts is that they are available wherever you get your podcast. Uh, just go ahead and do a search; it should populate the next morning. And uh, yeah, so well, guys, um, going to go ahead and uh, call it for the evening. Um, Thank you so much for coming and hanging out in the chat and uh, giving us stuff to read and laugh at. And um, uh, we thank you very much for tuning in. And um, that, that'll be it for the evening. I'll see you on Wednesday. Uh, my name is Ian Eskridge. For my co-host, Mr. Uh, actually, the Danny Miller, um, that'll be it for the evening. Thank you for uh, checking out this episode of White Sox Daily Live, and we will see you hopefully on Wednesday, and if not, next Monday. Thank you very much. Have a great night.